I'm Samir Gadia, and this is Point of Origin, a podcast about the lives of musicians who we love to listen to. Musicians of color from around the world, each carving their own unique path, both as artists and human beings, tracing the points of origin that unite us all for the love of music. Point of Origin's mission is to challenge the homogenous narrative of alternative and indie rock music by amplifying voices of color in the past, present, and future of the genre. With this show, I want to question the false belief that alternative is white boy music, because it isn't. I argue that genre does not classify the type of music we listen to, but only segregates the artists who make it. Why else do young black artists making indie rock music get called trap or urban? Why do white guys making hip hop get spun on alternative radio instead? Because we still fail to see the flaws of our genre system, society lashes out at the false stereotypes of alternative music without addressing the real problem. This, in part, is why rock and alternative music have taken a major hit in popularity. The now GQ-laced Pitchfork magazine once published an op-ed titled The Unbearable Whiteness of Indie. A great Milan Kundera reference, by the way. And even The New Yorker branded alternative and indie music as, quote, a paler shade of white. Type in alt-indie on Google, and you wouldn't have any reason to believe otherwise. The main links will take you to primarily white, male artists. The alternative artists publications have historically chosen to spotlight are overwhelmingly white, perpetuating this fictitious narrative even further. This lack of representation has significant consequences. It could dissuade the next prodigies from picking up a guitar because they're black or Korean, or confirm to the late Farouk Bulsara that he was right in changing his name to Freddie Mercury. Freddie taught Indian kids like me that erasing who you are and where you come from would be the only way to find success and it's a dangerous narrative that still rings true today. For those of you new to Point of Origin, welcome. This may be our first ever podcast, but since as early as 2020, Point of Origin has featured an artist of color every month on satellite radio. Each artist in turn is guaranteed spins on Alt Nation every week and has a chance to chart. I know how valuable that is because I'm also a musician and I know how crazy the industry is right now. Let me reintroduce myself. I'm Samir Gadia and I'm a member of Young the Giant. We've been around for over a decade now, spanning five albums, and I've been a touring musician and recording artist my whole adult life, which makes my head spin. I'm also a first-generation Indian American, and being a third culture kid will forever imbue my perspective of the world. Whether I like it or not, it is the lens through which I see everything. I started Point of Origin because I wanted to create a space within the alternative genre for artists of color to commune about life, art, the industry, culture, and trace their point of origin to their childhood and beyond. For SiriusXM app listeners, each monthly artist and I will curate their life playlist, a collection of favorites that span from each artist's childhood to now. Point of Origin was once exclusively on SiriusXM, Alt Nation, and Pandora, but now anyone can access it wherever you get your podcasts, as well as ad-free on the SiriusXM app. I've talked with so many brilliant artists who both inspired and taught me, but there are few who I could learn more from than today's guest, Brittany Howard. As the voice, a songwriter, and guitarist of Alabama Shakes, Thunderbitch, Bermuda Triangle, and now the brainchild of her illustrious solo career, Brittany has won four Grammys from nine nominations, and Rolling Stone has placed her on their 250 Greatest Guitarists of All Time list. More importantly, Brittany is also a kind, thoughtful, and inspiring human being. It was nighttime in Nashville when Brittany logged on. 
you can tell a lot about a person from their workspace. Brittany's writing studio is devoid of blinking gadgets and circuitry. Instead, a fishing rod hangs behind her like a talisman, and her dog's barks echo in the distance. A sense of calm takes over me. It's a far cry from the hustle and bustle of LA. Join us as Brittany and I discuss her new album, What Now?, as well as her new single, Prove It To You, her musical inspiration, mental health on tour, being too stoned to say hi, and fishing. Point of origin. It's a huge honor, by the way, to have you here. We kind of kind of came up around more or less the same time. And I know we've played some of the same shows, but I've never gotten a chance to say hi to you. Um, but uh, you are truly, truly an amazing talent. I want to start with that. Just have to say it. I've been appreciating your career for a long time, and I'm just very honored to have you here. Uh, thank you so much, Samir. From uh, one musician to another, I really appreciate that. And uh, I'm glad we finally got to say hi. So dope. I love this. Point of origin is, you know, very literally tracing the nexuses and the points that take us around the world and t take us to our music and to everything else. Um, and the way I like to start oftentimes is talking about, you know, our origin stories. So how far back can you trace your family in America from both sides? Okay. So my father, uh, my dad's black and my mom's white. So my father, I think I got back to some point in the 1800s. We've been in the same town in Alabama for uh, generations and generations. I think the furthest away I got was maybe Virginia. Um, and my mother, I could trace her, oh man, coming into New York at some point, the family, yeah. Um, and how did your parents meet? They met at high school. High school, high school sweethearts. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, my wife and I are actually high school sweethearts. Oh, wow. What was playing around the house um, that your fans might not even be aware of? I know there, there's a lot of your influences that have been cited all over the internet. Oh, man, I've talked about this so much, so I don't know if I'll say anything that no one was aware of. I mean, maybe Paula Abdul. You know, we had a lot of Paula Abdul going on. Uh, ah, something unusual. Um. I think like Barry Manilow is probably pretty unusual. Never talked about that. From Alabama Shakes, Thunder Bitch, Bermuda Triangle, and your solo stuff, what inspires you to keep going at this point? That's a great question. Um, it's interesting, and I'll be honest, like sometimes I forget because, and I'll tell you why, and maybe other musicians can relate to this, the business of it. The business of it is like you got to keep it at arm's length to protect the art and... um just that importance of expression and why we do it in the first place, which is just to express ourselves and to connect to others and hope maybe somebody will see us. And, and that's important. And, and that's where it's always come from. Um, and then there's the business side of it, which sometimes becomes, it looks, it seems like it's important and, and more important than the art sometimes. Um, but it's not true. And you got to check yourself and go back to the art and, and make space for it and protect it. And why do I do it? Yeah, why do I do it? Just the same reason as the original, which is just to, it was amazing to me to create tools to create something out of nothing. You know what I'm saying? Um, if you don't know how to play keys, well, you have 
the fortitude to sit down and learn how to play keys, teach yourself how to play keys. You don't need lessons. You can just use your mind and go some go somebody's house. Like I didn't have a guitar for the longest time, but I wanted to play it. So I go to my buddy's house and he would let me use his guitar. So if you want something, you can have at it. Um, yeah, and it all just started from just being amazed that I could create something, you know? You know, I was going to ask this question a little bit later, but it kind of falls into this subject is, you know, we both know how much the music industry has changed since the time that we've been, we've been doing this. Um, and it's very difficult to pinpoint, you know, real advice one can impart upon the new generation of musician, but is that your advice really to kind of stay true to just the purest form of creation? Um, given the fact that just the barrier to entry now to get in is so much more difficult. You know, that's kind of, I got kind of a convoluted answer to that, to that question, because is there such a barrier to get into it? Because I see more and more people posting one song on TikTok, it blows up, they've never played a live show before, and now they're like on festivals getting paid for that. You know, I'm not sure what it means anymore. I have no idea. In fact, I'd, I'd like to take some advice myself. Like, <laughs> the the landscape has changed, and I'm trying not to be like that old person that's like, oh, back in my day, we made this much from CD sales. Because it's different now. It's just different. Do I think that we need more representation uh, to protect our work? Absolutely. Who's going to do it? I have no idea. But I know that all my peers that I've spoke to about things like streaming uh, and making pennies, not even a penny. Let me take that back. Portions of a penny per stream. And that being the way that uh, we make money off of our work in that way. Um, I know everybody got a problem with it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But count your blessings and, and maybe we can get it together and, and find some sort of representation. It's hard for every musician to try and make this. Everyone has their own path and journey and how they get by. Um, and so I appreciate that. I know it's... Um, it's a it's a constant thing for me too. I I'd like to get some advice as well at this point. Yes, yes. How do you find a work life balance? Oh my gosh, work life balance. I'll be honest with you, it's not a constant balance. Sometimes I feel like a crazy person because I'm working too hard. But it's and sometimes I don't know how not to work. I've been working since I was 14 years old, and it's like if I'm too still for too long, I also get crazy. If I work too much, I get crazy. The work-life balance is really about taking this phone and throwing it in the closet, putting that D&D on. Do not disturb me. The phone is ruining my life, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> as soon as it came in my life, my life has not been less stressful. I love Google, you know, but uh, I think that's the ticket, just absolutely putting up boundaries around, oh, I'm not working today. Today's me day. Today I go do things I like that have nothing related to the music business. You know, I think a lot of musicians would say it's the business part, it's the touring part that feels like the work. But, you know, creating oh, yeah. the music is, is a constant process that happens at any place at any time. Um, it doesn't matter if there's even an instrument in front of you. But, you know, if, if you feel, I feel this way, if, I feel like music and creativity are channeled by, you know, something greater, a greater power or transmitted by a source. And what do you what do you do to stay open to that inspiration? Hmm. I've tried lots of different things over the years to stay open. But it's kind of like one of these things where, you know, as writers say, they say show up to the desk. 
show up to the desk and then the muse will show up and help you do your work. I think that's true. I think just putting yourself in the environment to create around instruments, leave your leave your uh, recording things on. You never know. Just keep it easy for yourself just to slide in there and do something really quick. For me, it's all about simplicity and uh, access to doing things quickly. You know, I have a studio, but I wouldn't say I use it as much as, what do I got here, like a little universal audio volt. That's what I use. Literally a single channel. I, I do more stuff with that just because it's so easy and I can get ideas out so quickly. Um, and inspiration hits when it hits. You know how it is. You're driving down the road and you're like, oh, that's a great hook. I got my voicemail on my phone, you know. And then maybe I'll remember and go back and finish this idea later. And sometimes it just comes from feeling um, a really strong emotion. And you're just, it's like in your head and you're feeling this thing. And, and it just starts kind of pouring out of you. And you got to go sit down and do that real quick. So there's really no, f really no format uh, of meeting creation. It just kind of happens when it wants to happen. Yeah. And so, you know, I've, I've actually heard an interview of yours on Broken Record, I think it was, where you, you talked about your songwriting experiences being jolts, these jolts, and then you had these longer periods where you need to take a natural break. Is that, that, does that still apply, or is it changing now for you? Yeah. I mean, I just call it creation mode. Sometimes I'm in creation mode, and sometimes I'm not. Um, right now, I, I am not. Right now, I'm about to, so to speak, give birth to a record. So I'm in that birthing mode, that birthing process of putting this out in the world. And then you have to raise it and do right by it and grow it. And that's the whole touring aspect of it. And then I'll probably, you know, that takes, you know how it is. It takes a couple of years to do that, to do the whole touring of an album cycle. And then I'll take another year to start working on an album again. It kind of never stops. So, I mean, that's a satisfying experience usually when you're done with an, an album or something you feel like it's you're birthing into the world. Can you talk more about the genesis of Prove It To You and the album, What Now? Yeah, Prove It To You is one of those tracks where I was like, this is not going to go on an album. This is, this is, this doesn't seem like it fits. But I also, uh, why not? Who says? Who says everything needs to be cohesive? Just people, people's opinions. They think that albums should be like this one way and everything correlates to each other and it's this concept and it's like, ah, I don't know. I just kind of think of it like this is a journal of where I'm at for now. And I liked this song because this song, Prove It To You, you know, it's like a four on the floor. It feels like you're in a club. But to me, it was all about the heartbeat and this, this consistent like energy of it. Uh, kind of like this excitement and this kind of hopefulness and but also lyrically it has this idea attached to it of like old feelings creeping into a new relationship of like well I've never been good at this and and I you know maybe I'll bring this into the relationship I don't want to do that you know and trying to prove to yourself uh or prove it to the other person like I'm not like that anymore now I'm like this and it's just set to this four on the floor and to me it was just so moody and I thought that juxtaposition made it good enough to go on an album because everything on there is just kind of opposing, you know? You you produced as well as Sean Everett, right? Oh, man, I love getting in the weeds with Sean Everett. It's so fun. I wouldn't even say, like, weeds. I would just say, like, we're in a forest and we're two little lost kids, but we're having a great time and we're going to build a fort and we're going to build a campfire. We're having a ball. And it's like some things... Um, Sometimes, like, I was lost on songs, and I wasn't sure what to do. 
And me and Sean were just going on this exploratory journey of like the wrong thing, the wrong thing, the wrong thing. There's the right thing. But we had to go on a journey to get to the right thing. And it was met with just like good attitudes, man. Like enjoying the process instead of feeling like it had to be good. Let's just, let's see what happens. And we are back. I almost feel weird even telling you this, but do you, do you feel weird? A lot of people have likened you to the, you know, to the voice of a generation. Just your voice is just so amazing. Um, how, how, do you, uh, how do you deal with that? How do you stay centered with uh, that type of uh, praise? Or is it something you don't even really think about that, that much and you think nothing of that? That's literally news to me. Who said that? It's um, in the ether. <laughs> it's out there in the ether. I don't know. The, uh, you know, uh, how much do voices of a generation get paid? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you can tell it's not something I think about. I think what drives me is always trying to, uh, I don't want to say like top myself because I feel like that is very egotistical in a way. Challenge myself. That's more fun. I just like that feeling of not knowing what I'm going to do next. I have no idea. Do you feel though a sense of satisfaction? Do you feel like you've made it or is there still always something lingering or did you feel like you've made nothing yet? I wouldn't say I've made nothing. I'm proud of my work for sure. And I'm proud of the, I'm proud of the relationships I formed getting here and the, the journey of getting here, you know, um, there's still more to be done and not just in this realm of music. I feel like music was the platform in order to do more creative things. Cause that's the thing I've always been most excited about is working with other creative people. Uh, in different fields, you know, and and it just gave me the opportunity to meet those people and who knows what could be created, you know? So I wouldn't say there's really a top to this. There's no ceiling to this. And you've been, you've been touring for a while now, you know, everyone who's not a musician who hasn't been on the road, they obviously, they ask the, you know, funny road stories, mythologizing, romanticizing the road based, based off of some, you know, TV show they saw maybe about the seventies, but um, we both know that, you know, touring can take a mental and emotional to toll. And it's also, there's moments of boredom. Um, but what do you, uh, what do you do to stay sane? You know, for me, I, I just finished a long tour and um, I found I've, I was in a good place right before tour. And then I saw myself losing myself a little bit more with each passing week, just kind of following the things that are happening. Um, and it's been taking me a while to find it again. I mean, it's been a couple months and I'm still kind of getting my land legs back, but what do you do to stay centered during tour after tour and just the constant life of it? Listen, I'll tell people listening right now, it is difficult no matter what level of touring you're at. You know, some people are still following each other in cars. Some people are in vans, some people buses. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe some people listening are in private jets, you know, but it take it does take a, a toll because you miss your family, you miss your friends, uh, their life goes on, and you're out here doing this thing. And maybe everybody thinks like, oh, they're having such a good time. I bet it's a party every night. Uh, it's not like that. It, like you said, you have to work to maintain your humanity. You know what I'm saying? Like, for me, lots of laughter. You know, we got to keep that dopamine up. Lots of laughter and art. Me and Zach, the bass player, you know, we're good buddies. We've been buddies since we were like 15, 16 years old. 
And we're just goofy as hell. And we'll just go back there and we'll draw stupid little pictures and we'll do sculptures and we'll just play, you know? And that's really important because what's happening is you're pulling up to a new situation every day, no consistency. I mean, you never know what you're going to get. And you go in there and you just want to be alone. There's there's always like 30 people around, not complaining, just saying that's how it is. And, you know, you're just like praying for a clean bathroom. Like, maybe I'll have my own bathroom today. You know what I mean? Just very small things like that can make or break your day. But then you move on and you get to it. You hope you, hope you get enough sleep. Hope you get enough water. You know, like, I don't drink on the road. It's not really my thing. So it's all about just good, clean, fun, baby. You know what I'm saying? Every day, you just got to entertain yourself. And it takes a lot of energy. It really does. Does your family, do? You, does your partner join you on the road sometimes? Or is it a solo endeavor? Mm, sometimes. Depends if we're going somewhere like, you know, uh, like New York City, L.A. If we're somewhere for a long time, then they'll come out and... You know, maybe we'll go do something fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had, um, I have two boys now too, like three and one. Wow. It's changed my world, but in an amazing way, I get to see the world through their eyes again. And creatively, that's just uh, a new a new chapter for me. Do you think you want kids every now and then? Maybe. If I don't look at the news too much, then I start being like, yeah, maybe and then I start, you know, if I see too much news, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Different lifetime. And we are back to Point of Origin with Brittany Howard. Jumping back into the musical process, and we've kind of gone a few different places here. Um, there's always a balance between, you know, intention, what we're talking about, like the theme of a record. And oftentimes the theme is made like really structured by the press or how people want to put it into a lens. But for an artist, there's always an intention. There's always, you know, a goal. But sometimes that in intention can limit the, the fullest scope of creativity and, and writing. So what's your balance between, you know, intention, a theme, maybe a sonic theme or a lyrical theme, and just kind of letting everything happen? Do you mean on a song-by-song -song basis or totality of the album? The, the album as a whole. Album as a whole, I don't really, I've never thought about making sure things tell a cohesive story. Just kind of let things come as they are and maybe try to figure it out later. Uh, for what now, that's kind of how it was. I had started writing this the start of the pandemic and was just, it was just something to do. I was like, okay, I've run out of things to do. I've watched the Tiger King, you know, it's starting to get dark in here. You know what I'm saying? And so I, to process my emotions, I would just go in there and just do whatever kind of music, learn new software. I was learning how to do the uh, whole loop station performance thing. I never really finished doing that. It's really difficult. Uh, you know, keeping myself occupied. But through that, I was creating songs. I was creating music. And I never had in the back of my mind, like, oh, I'm going to put this on an album. Didn't, that didn't happen until at 20, 20, end of 2022. Where I was like, I have enough things here. I think I'd like to make an album. I think I'd like to complete this. And it's just the feeling washes over you. Like, it's time for album now. So that COVID process for a lot of artists, you know, is creatively fertile. But um, at the same time, it was really nice to have a reset, right, in life. Oh, yeah. Um, how was that for you during that time? And um, obviously that informed the album. But how has it informed your life? Samir, it was everything. That reset was everything. 
At that point, I think I had been touring for, I don't know, nine years. Uh, pretty consistently. Either creating an album, promoting an album, or touring and working. And I was just tired. Like, I was just, I was just so tired, so run down. I was getting ready to do yet another tour. And then COVID hit. And obviously, it was a very scary time. But we can feel a lot of different things at once, right? So... It was scary, but also I was, I was so grateful to be still. It, it just, it just really was everything to me to reset, to just go do things like, go get my eyes checked. You know what I'm saying? Like just normal human stuff that sometimes people don't understand when you're a touring musician, you're depleted. You know, so when you get home, you don't want to go no eye doctor. You don't want to do anything. Um, it was nice to get. Also, to get back into other things I hadn't done in a while, uh, cooking, watching the seasons change, listening to birds, like simple little things like that, which are so human and so fulfilling. I had missed that, and uh, it just really filled my whole tank, just being home for a while like that. And when things, you know, resumed again, as they always tend to do, and now as you release this record, I'm assuming you'll be on, the, on tour again. Um, are there any things that, you want to bring from that time now as you go into tour for me, I think it's, you know, the power of saying no um, is great in theory and then continues to be difficult, but to have that intention to say no, what is that for you? Well, I just agree with you. It is very powerful to say no business wise, but and also in our personal lives, it's a very powerful word sets up a boundary empowers us. Um, No's great. No gets hard nowadays, though. No gets hard nowadays. Obviously, I won't get into, like, global economics, but inflation, man, and, and people just ain't getting paid enough, and things aren't really like they used to be. We're all having to adjust. Obviously, there's that mindset of scarcity that comes in when you're like, oh, man, am, am, am I going to make the... Uh, this quarter, am I going to make the amount of money I need to pay my band what I want to pay them? Like, all that stress, you know? Um, it gets harder to say no to opportunities and, and, and things coming in. But also, what I did learn during the pandemic, no protects our mental health, our physical health, our spiritual well-being. So, yes to no. <laughs> and also, um, I got into meditation at the beginning of last year, and that helped a lot. For me, it's transcendental meditation. I never thought I could do it. I do have ADHD uh, diagnosed, not self-diagnosed, but officially. And um, I have medications and stuff I can take. I didn't want to take them. I was like, is there a way I can create space without uh, having to do this? No shame, just for myself. It's just a self-preference. And I started doing transcendental meditation, and it created this kind of space that I needed to not feel so overwhelmed all the time. And I'm just going to continue that practice when I'm out there on the road and kind of see it like an experiment. Let's see how it goes. I'll report back to you. Please do. Please do. You know, it's observing your thoughts outside of yourself with all these other factors and actors and agents in your life on tour. It's, um, I think it's the best challenge. And I'm, that's amazing that you've, you've taken it up. I've tried a few times and now you've inspired me to try it again because I think I need it. Yeah, try TM. Try specifically. Try that. 
Okay. Yeah. I will. Yeah. I will. Yeah. With the kids, it's, it can be hard. It can be hard, but it's, uh, mm-hmm. you'll find I'll your way there. to it. Um, for a lot of younger artists who I have on this, they're just starting out. And, um, many of them, you know, when I ask what they're, what they think in the next five, 10 years, obviously they haven't gotten to that point yet. They haven't uh, thought about it. And sometimes that's a good thing to stay obviously in the present, but for you, I know that, you know, at this point you've achieved enough that you could be doing this for the rest of your life. Um, but where do you see yourself in the next 10 to 20 years? Retired, living on a farm. I got a live river in the back. Uh, I get up at 5 a.m. I go feed the cows, feed the goats, feed the chickens, collect the eggs. I, I have a very peaceful life. I have low overhead. And I'm just um, I'm just admiring all the little small little things in my life and uh, nurturing the, the loved ones around me. And maybe I got some little barefoot kids running around in the yard and focusing on small things every day, living peacefully. You know what I mean? Humming songs, teaching people how to fish, um, and really nurturing community. Um, those are the things that I've always wanted, and I'm just taking quite a crazy road to get there. You'd probably still be writing music or creating something at, during that time. Yeah, I'm creating something all the time, even if it's not musically related. It's just that's what's the most fun to me in life and gives me the most joy is seeing something I made. Um, so I'll always be doing that. I'll always be learning new instruments. I'll always be curious. It's just in my nature. So of course I'll be making stuff, putting it out. Touring, I'm not sure. I'm not sure yet. Like I said, things, it's hard touring. Um, Maybe things will change in five years. I can't call it. I have high hopes um, because I really love performing. And I love that connection with the audience. We we have really great shows. I love being surrounded by great musicians and learning from them, uh, both as like peers, musicians, and, and also as just people. I think that's changed my whole life. Um, so I don't take those things for granted. But you said 10 to 20 years. And in 10 to 20 years, I'm going to be up there. You know what I'm saying? Five to 10. Uh, five to 10, let's see. Maybe a couple more albums, five to ten. Yeah, a couple more albums. Don't know what kind of albums there'll be. Don't know what they'll sound like. Don't know if I'll be singing or just playing instruments. But I think I got that in me. I know you do. Um, what do you want the world to know about you? Mm. What do I want the world to know about me? That they don't already know? Um... Captain D's has mozzarella sticks. And they also got a honey mustard. Now, I know that when you see the mozzarella stick, you're thinking marinara. Dip it in the honey mustard. You don't know that about me, but that is a delicacy where I'm from. And I just wanted to share that with the world. Well, you know what? I have to try it too. Please. Brittany, thank you so much for talking with us. And um, I hope to see you on tour on a, at a festival at some point and finally say hi in person. Please come say hi. Early, early in my career, I don't know how old you were at the time. I think you're about the same age. I was really young, and I was just like, I was really stoned all the time too. <laughs> Not to blame everything on that, but um, you know, I was, I was nervous. I've always been a socially awkward person, but uh, oh, me too. We, 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 how old are you now? I'm 34. Oh, dude, um, we could have been best buds all these years. I know. 
I mean, I need, I need to have more friends who've been doing this around the same time and can understand everything that's happening and has happened. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like to go fishing? You've been fishing? I have only been fishing like twice in my life, but I'd love to go fishing with you. Where do you live? I live in LA. You live in LA? Yeah. And I have, you know, I have friends in Nashville. I go there sometimes. When you come through Nashville, I'll take you fishing. You might fall in love with it. It'd be a great way to uh, help out with the after tour uh, disembodiment. <laughs> I would love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you for the invite. And if you're ever in LA, I know LA is always the craziest place, but I'm in Venice by the, the ocean. Oh, nice. So um, yeah, let me know when you're around and let's keep in touch. This is great. Hey, thanks so much for having me on too. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you. You too, Samir. See you. I hope you enjoyed listening to my chat with Brittany. Go check out Brittany Howard on all the social medias and be sure to tune in to her new album, What Now? I'll be back at you again next month with our second episode. But until then, don't stop untying those knots. This is Samir Gadia signing off.